Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. Please join with us as we look into God's Word with Pastor Mike Bird. Let's go ahead and take our Bibles. We'll turn to Matthew chapter 25. Now, if you were with us last week, we've been talking about these parables that our Lord is giving to reinforce what he's teaching about his second coming. And the whole point is you don't know when, right? If the thief comes in the middle of the night, if you would have known when he would have came, you would have been prepared. But he comes at an hour and a time when you don't know. And just what our Lord here has been telling us that uh, his return is gonna be unexpected. Um, There's gonna be a lot of people that are gonna be unprepared for his coming. And uh, we've already looked at the uh, parable of 10 virgins, five were wise, five were foolish. The five wise had oil, um, and the five foolish ones did not have oil, and they were unprepared. And then our Lord here uh, began telling us about this uh, other parable, about the parable of the talents, in Matthew 25, uh, verses 14, all the way through uh, verse number 30. And uh, as we looked at all these things about uh, during this time, uh, our Lord is trying to teach us something about uh, as we're waiting, as we're watching for his coming, we need to be serving. And the idea is the fact of what God has given you, you need to be using it, uh, using the opportunities, God-given opportunities that the Lord has given you. So let's just kind of do a real quick uh refresh and then we'll pick up here on this last guy here. So one of the things that we talked about, number one, was understand how the kingdom works. Our Lord says, you know, uh, the the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is going to be like this, going to be like the 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 10 virgins. And he says, it is like, again, here in uh, verse 14, for it will be like a man going on a journey. And when he was talking about the kingdom, we're talking about the fact of the visible kingdom, okay? Everything that we see, everything that's visible here and now. And our Lord says that there are those who are true servants and there are false servants. And our Lord's trying to teach us something about the kingdom, um, it's, it's something that we all should understand that even in churches, that we see a visible church, even in a church, there are those who profess to know Christ, who do know Christ, and there are those who profess to know Christ, who do not know Christ. And that is a principle that is uh, laid out through all of Scripture. And so we need to understand how the kingdom works and apply it specifically uh, to this parable in the fact that there are false servants, and there are uh, true servants. Then we looked at, secondly, what spiritual opportunities have you been given? And uh, we had the, uh, the people who were given five talents, and they went and they took those five talents and they increased them more. And then there were those that uh, had the two talents, and they took those two talents and they increased them, gained two other talents. Then there was the guy with the one talent. Every single one of us has at least one talent, right? We've been given one opportunity, uh, but it's what you do with that opportunity is what is uh, very important. Uh, so we talked about those spiritual opportunities. Uh, then we looked at the third thing, when Christ returns, what will you have? And that uh, parable, as we uh, looked here in the scripture, that man comes back, he left for the journey, he comes back to settle the accounts, 
He had entrusted uh, those workers, his servants, with talents. And he says, okay, I'm returning now and I'm going to settle the accounts. What are you going to have? And the guy with the five, he had five more. So he had 10. The guy with the two, he gained two more. He had four. But the guy with the one, what did he do with it? He went and he hid it. He dug in the ground and hid his master's uh, talent, hid the master's money there. And uh, we looked a little bit about the whole idea about rewards in, in heaven, that uh, the little slice of opportunity that you're given here uh, will determine how you are going to serve for all of eternity in the kingdom. All of us are created for eternity. Uh, and it's only gonna be one or two places that you're gonna spend eternity, whether that's gonna be in heaven or that's gonna be in hell. But we're all created for eternity. And uh, so this little slice of time that we have, however long it is, whether it's uh, the next five years, next year, six months, uh, 20 years, 30 years, I don't know. But that little slice of time that we have, what we do with the opportunities the Lord gives us uh, will determine how we will serve uh, in the future kingdom. So now let's look here at this last guy here. And this is kind of where we stopped here. Christ warning. So here's this third guy with this talent, all right? Just one talent. Look here at verse 24. We'll read here, uh, put all this in context again here. Matthew 25, verse 24. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now here, this is a sad, sad picture. Now, if you remember, just because you have one talent doesn't mean that you're gonna be the worthless servant. It doesn't mean that the person who only has one talent is the worthless servant. The idea is, we at least, all of us at least have one spiritual opportunity and it's what we make with those spiritual opportunities, okay, is what's important, that we don't waste it. But this man here, it's sad because he wasted opportunity and privileges. But I really believe it reveals the true nature of this servant. He's not a believer. Now, don't be shocked at that and don't be confused because it's important for us to understand this. Remember how the kingdom works, okay? The kingdom is God's ruling sphere and he rules in all and over in all. And in this kingdom, in this world, there are those who believe and those who do not believe. There are those who have repented and believe the gospel and are true servants 
And there are those who have joined themselves to a church, but they do not know the Lord. There are those who profess to know Christ, but they really do not know him. And so these are false servants. Now in this parable, Jesus is using this phrase, the kingdom, as meaning what we see visibly. Jesus told us that in this kingdom, what we see visibly, that there are believers and there are false believers. How is this possible? Let me see if I can give you an example of this. When we use the word church, okay, you say, uh, we go to church, what are we saying? We're saying we're joining ourselves with a body of believers, visibly, right? Hopefully we're not talking about the building, right? Church is people, it's not a building, okay? So when we say we go to church or we uh, are part of a church, we're saying we're joining ourselves with these people who profess to know Christ, but then sometimes we use the word and we say, something is wrong in the church today. What are we saying? We're saying that there are things within the church that there are problems, whether because it's, it's a mix of those who know the Lord and those who do not know the Lord. Okay? It's wheat among the tares. It's the weeds among the tares. It's the bad fish among the good fish. It's the houses with no foundations. Okay? So when we talk about this, when somebody, when we talk about this per person specifically, we're saying this person does not know the Lord, but yet he has joined himself with some religious type activities, religious type functions. Now I would say that these people here, uh, he's not talking about pagans. He's not talking about reprobate people who deny Christ, who deny God, that want nothing to do with his church or with his kingdom. Uh, he's talking about two kinds of servants. He's talking about those that use their opportunity and those who waste it. But both of them identify themselves as being servants of the Lord. Those that are true, and those that are false. The visible kingdom has both. Every church in the world, every church in America, every church in LaGrange County, in Elkhart County, wherever you want to go, has both kinds of people in churches all over the place. Those that are true believers and those that are false believers. They've joined themselves together with the church, but they really do not know the Lord. So it's important to understand this. If you recall in Matthew 13, our Lord talked about this, about giving these examples of people that have joined themselves together, but they're not real believers. So our Lord summarizes all of his teaching in Matthew 13, 49 with this statement about people who are false believers. He says this, this is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this is what's happening here in this parable. The master comes back, he settles his accounts, he rewards the faithful true servants, but the false servants are cast out. And so when Christ returns, he's gonna sort all of this stuff out. He's gonna, he's gonna do a separation. In fact, we'll even look at that in the coming week about the, the separating of the sheep and the goats as he does that. 
So this third guy, what about him? He did nothing with the opportunity the Lord gave him. Now notice what this guy says, okay? Look at verse 24. He also who had received the one talent came forward. Notice what he says, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. So this guy gives back the talent that was given him, the opportunity that was given him, and he gives it back to the Lord. Now, what does the Lord do? Does he say, oh man, well done, good and faithful servant. Look what you did. No, he calls him wicked, right? He calls him slothful. And so this man here, this servant is not a true believer. Now, how do we know that? Okay? When we look at this guy, there are two things that show us that really betray what he says. It really shows us that this man is not a true believer. Look at them. Number one, he produced nothing. The other two servants, what did they do? They went, they bartered, they traded, and they gained. They used their spiritual opportunities and they gained. But this man did not produce anything. And so the genuineness of their salvation was the fact that they had these spiritual opportunities, these works that they had that proved that they knew the Lord, right? We don't get saved by works, right? That's clearly taught in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace you saved through faith, not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. We don't get saved by works, but our works are a good indicator that we do know the Lord. Because faith without works is what? Dead. That's what James teaches us. So these two servants, they didn't earn their salvation, but they proved that they were true servants by serving and thus gaining several more talents. But this man, this servant, what did he do with his money? He stuck it in the ground. He buried it. He produced nothing. And he called himself a servant, but he wasn't a servant. And here again, we see the same kind of warning from our Lord that he gives over and over and over and over and over again. Just because you're associated with the visible kingdom, a church, right? Meaning the fact that uh, you carry a Bible, you've been baptized, you take communion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, okay? doesn't mean that you are a true believer. Doesn't mean that you are a faithful servant. And I'm sure there are several people that would say, look what I have done in the church, right? Those are the people that are gonna be, when the Lord comes and they're gonna say, Lord, Lord, did we not do this and this and this and this and this? And what is he gonna say? Depart from me, I never knew you, right? These people were faithful. They were doing all kinds of things but they do not know the Lord. Now look at the second thing, how we know this man is not a true believer. Now this is very interesting. Secondly, he attacks the character of his master. Look at verse 24. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be. Here's his opinion of the master. This is this, is this guy's take on who the master is. I knew you to be. Now, this man is not someone who is anti-God. He's not anti-Christ, okay? This man says that he's a servant. He says that he belongs, but look what he says about the master. 
His words really betray him. Look what he says. He says, I knew you to be a hard man. Oh boy, you're hard. You're unforgiving. You're unrelenting. You're unbending. You're unmerciful. You're ungracious. You're unkind. You lack compassion. You're too tough. You have no sensitivity. Really, he's functioning out of fear, isn't he? Because see, he says, you're just too tough. You're just too hard. Religion is just too difficult for me. I couldn't cut the standard that you asked. It's just too much. And I knew that you're a hard, hard person. You're a, you're a mean person. And he calls him a hard man. And so knowing that, I acted the way I acted. And religion is full of people who would make that excuse, right? Well, it was just too much for me. I just figured you were too hard of a God, too unbending, too condemning, too judgmental, too ungracious. But look what he says. Look what he also he says about this master that he claims to know. Master, I knew you to be a hard man. Notice this, reaping where you did not sow. And he says, and gathering where you scattered no seed. You know what that means? How many of you ever in here farmed? Okay. If you go to somebody else's field and gather their crop that they planted, what is that called? Stealing. So what is this guy telling the master that he is, that he is like? He's saying, you're a thief, right? He says, you are reaping where you did not sow. You're gathering somebody else's work. And when you gather where you haven't scattered, you're picking up somebody else's product. You're picking out somebody else's wheat. And he says, I know two things about you. One, you're hard and ungracious. And two, you take things from other people. Now, let me ask you a question. Does he know God does he know the true master? He doesn't. His words betray him. He doesn't know the Lord. He says, I am a servant, but hey, I know what you're really like. You're unbending, you're ungracious, you're unkind, you're a hard person, and you're a thief. You take things from other people. That's not the God that I know. Surely that's hopefully not the God that you know, right? So those of us who really know the Lord, do we characterize him as ungracious, as unmerciful, as lacking in compassion? He doesn't know the Lord at all and he doesn't know his master. He has pretended to be a servant, but he doesn't know his master. How could he say that the master is uncompassionate? How could he say that he's unkind and ungracious? And then to say that even the things that we do for you you get the benefit that portrays a non-worshiping heart. So there's no submission in his heart. He doesn't serve the Lord here. He is blind to his master's kindness. He is blind to his master's grace. He is blind to his master's mercy. He is blind to the master's compassion. And he's equally blind to his master's honor and his master's majesty and his master's glory and his master's worthiness. So look what he says here in verse 25. So I was afraid. I was afraid of such an unbending, ungracious God that when I see that, when I saw what you really were, I was afraid. 
And what does he mean by that? Well, he probably means I was afraid that if I tried to invest, try to gain something, it'd just get taken away from me. I'd get punished if I gained something, you'd take it away. And this really is just an excuse. Because look at verse 26. He calls him, the Lord calls him a wicked and lazy servant. Notice how the Lord uses this man's own excuse against him, okay? Look what he says, verse 26. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed? If, if that's really true about me, if I'm really a hard and ungracious master and you knew that I'm stealing where you, uh, where you sowed and I didn't sow it, if you knew that about me, then what should you have done? He says, if you knew that, that if I was hard and I expected a return, then he says, in effect, verse 27, if you knew that, if your problem was really that you thought I was hard man and you thought that I wanted to take and harvest something that somebody else had worked for, if you knew that, then you have ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So he tells him, really, you're a liar. You think that you know me, but you don't. You're a liar. And he calls him a wicked and slothful servant. He says, this is really just an excuse. You say that you're afraid. That's just an excuse. You went on with your evil, evil, lazy lifestyle, ignoring your spiritual opportunity for no other reason than your own desire. Now, verse 28, don't miss this. This is what he says. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents. Now, when we look at the visible church, the kingdom today, there are lots of people who are serving. And we could really even say that there are lots of people in a church, visible church, that are serving that are not true believers, right? I mean, that's what our Lord teaches, that the, that the kingdom is made up of weeds among the wheat. So there's lots of them. Tares aren't always the ones sitting around doing nothing. Sometimes tares are very involved. And what does our Lord say will happen to these people? Their service will be taken away. What is that? What does that mean that their service is gonna be taken away? Whatever it is that they do, whatever it is, whatever service that they're doing, it's gonna be taken away. Nothing. They won't have anything. Their privileges, their talents, their abilities, it will be taken away and notice it'll be given to whom? Look at verse 28. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents. So the day is going to come in judgment when any service they ever thought that they could render to Christ will be taken away from them and given to someone who is a true servant to render to Christ. So in the kingdom of our Lord Jesus and throughout all of eternity, there will be no service offered other than that which is offered by true believers. So this false servant will not be able to have anything to offer. And that's what it means in verse 28. Take the talent from him. Take away his abilities. Take away his opportunities. Take away his privilege. Give it to someone else. 
Give it to the true servant who can use it so that they can serve me for all of eternity. Verse 29, this is a very interesting statement. Look at this. For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. In other words, the ones who have demonstrated fruit, the ones who have used their privilege, used their opportunities, they will receive more. He will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And the implication here is really that he doesn't really have it. But what he appears to have will be taken away. It's, it's really a marvelous statement. Look at it here again. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. How can you have if you don't have? Right? That's kind of like the saying like, uh, yes, we have no bananas. <laughs> How can you have what you don't have? Right? It's a challenging riddle to which you can't really figure out the answer. From the one who has not will be taken away what he has. So if he has not, what is there to take away? Well, the idea is he really doesn't have it, but he appears to have it, right? And what he appears to have will be taken away and given to someone else. So here you have it within a, within a church, visible church, the kingdom, and there are people that have joined themselves with the church. They've been confirmed, they've been baptized, they take communion, they're on this and they do that and they serve on this and they do this and they do that and they do this and they do that. And they claim to know Christ. They claim to be true servants, but they've never repented of their sin and believed the gospel. They've just kind of, hey, I'm just gonna kind of skate right on in, you know? And all their service that they're doing, they really don't have any service at all. Because when they stand before the Lord and they have to give an account, even that which they have will be taken away and given to somebody else. And notice what it says. It says that they'll give it to the guy with the 10 talents. Now, why does he choose the 10 talents? I don't know. It's our Lord's sovereign choice to choose that but that's exactly what he does. And so he renders true service in the service of God by taking away the, from the person that does not have. So what happens in the reward? Well, the, the true and faithful servant receives more privilege, more opportunity for service, more divine service capacity. But this other guy, what happens to him? What happens to these false servants, these religious phonies? Look at verse number 30 and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, if there was any question at all in anybody's mind about whether that servant is a real servant, Jesus' statement here ought to really eliminate it because that is the definition of hell, is it not? Matthew uh, chapter 22, verse 13, where you have the man who comes into the wedding uh, feast without a garment, and he says he has no righteousness, he doesn't have a wedding garment. It says, bind him uh, by hand and foot, take him away, cast him into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
And that's stated over and over and over and over in Matthew's gospel. It describes hell as darkness because God is light. John says in him is no darkness at all. And so the absence of God is utter darkness and hell is a place where God is not and never will be. And it is a place of torment as illustrated by the statement of weeping and gnashing. You know what it means to gnash? It means to grind your teeth. Grinding your teeth. It's a terrible place. Unrelieved pain. Being out of the presence of God. So let's sum up this very simply. In the kingdom, in the church, in the assembly of the redeemed, there are those, there are going to be those who are going to be prepared. They've been faithfully watching and waiting. And as in our Lord's teaching here and within the context, in the tribulational times, there are going to be those true believers who are waiting for the coming of the Lord. And they're not going to be doing nothing. They're going to be busy. They're going to be about serving because they know the master is coming back. And he's coming back in an unexpected time. There's a delay in there. But when he returns, the master is going to be expecting a return on what spiritual opportunities he's given to those true and faithful servants. But the servant who claims to be a servant, who's not a real servant, it's gonna come as a surprise to him. He's gonna be unprepared. So what is he gonna do? He's gonna start offering up excuses. Oh, master, hey, I know who you really are. You're a hard, ungracious, unbending person and you're a thief and you steal. I was afraid, couldn't do anything. Lord's going to say, I'm not going to have it. Take him, cast him out in the place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All excuses will be set aside. False service will be ended. And that which they appear to be doing will be given to somebody else to do it through all of eternity and throughout all the kingdom. I hope you know the Lord. I really do. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.